welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season three, episode nine, <laughs> A Wish. Oh, 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 we get some sexy vampires. Sexy vampires. So excited. Oh. Uh, I do not have any announcements, so we can just go right into talking about this absolutely bonkers episode. Is, oh man, that is it is a wild ride, and I'm pretty sure it had a lot of awakenings for many of us as oh, teenagers. So, The Wish, it aired December 8th, 1998, and our synopsis is, The Master Lives, and Everyone Else Dies, (laughs) when Cordy's wish that Buffy never came to town comes true thanks to a pushy demon. You know, that kind of reminds me of the opening crawl from Rise of Skywalker. No, no, we're not even. We're not even going to go there. Like, that... That happened and Mia and I just burst out laughing because it was the most ridiculous shit we had ever read. And it all like and I'm also thinking about poor Poe, his face somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> oh such poor a Captain Handsome. He is poor, poor Captain Handsome. He has the most difficult life. So this episode is actually listed as the creator's sixth favorite episode. And it's the only episode on his list of favorite episodes that he did not even partially write. Yes. So like, this is like high honor for this episode. I know, I know. Here's all my, all these other episodes I had a hand in, except for this one. So that, that says a lot about this episode. So do we have any international titles? We have one this week. Everything else was either The Wish, Wishes, something along those lines. This one comes to us from France. Oh, boy. And it is Best Wishes from Cordelia. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love it. It is phenomenal. Ah, so good. Yeah. So for, for being the only international title this week, it's a good one. So we start off this episode in a lovely little park where Buffy is currently being strangled by a demon. <laughs> His hand around her neck held against a tree, she struggles to breathe and to tell Willow and Xander what weapon she needs. Eventually, Willow gets what she's trying to say and brings her a knife. Taking it, she stabs the demon. He lets go, falling to the ground, and she follows sweet. As she gets to her feet, she remarks, that was way too close for comfort. If they hadn't been there. But they were. And he's dead. And they're fine. So yay. Is he going to go poof? (laughs) Willow looks down at the demon's corpse. Unfortunately not. Makes you kind of appreciate vampires, though. No muss, no fuss. Xander can't believe Faith was a no-show. He thought shish-kebabbing demons was her favorite. Buffy says she tried to reach her, but no luck. And honestly, they haven't been hanging around together all that much lately. She sounds worried. She is. Slain's a tough gig. Too much alone time, it can mess with you. Make you keep things all pent up. Willow thinks they should make a point to do more socializing with her. Yes! Yeah! Good! Yes. Good, good. Realizing that maybe we need to spend more time with Faith so that she doesn't go down the path of evil. Exactly. We need Willow to follow that train of thought because it's going to save everyone a whole lot of trouble later on. But it's a little too late. Uh, Yeah, a little too late. Xander asks if demon burial details aside, they're done for the day. Why? He have plans? Oh, he cannot stress enough how much he does not have plans. So no luck reaching Cordelia then? He's left messages, 60, 70 of them. But you know what really bothers him? Okay, so they kissed, but they both knew that it was the absolute last time they were going to kiss. <sighs> Darn tootin'. And they just burst in, rescuing them without even knocking. It's it's really all their fault. Actually, as we discussed last week, it's it's kind of all Willow's fault. It, I, I mean, mean the, the events that led to them getting caught. Yes. Not the yes. cheating. She no. and Xander are both equally at fault for the cheating, but the events that directly led to them being in that factory and therefore getting caught were all Willow's fault. Oh, yeah. It was Willow trying to mess with love spells. 
even yeah. if it's an anti-love spell, it's still a love spell. And again, like we said, Xander was well within his right to be mad about it. Uh-huh. Buffy tells them that the, his logic does not resemble their Earth logic. <laughs> he says his is much more advanced. Another quote that is used so often. I tend to take the one from later in the series. Your logic is troll logic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that That's that's my one of, rather than the it does not resemble Earth logic. Yeah, I use, I use that on my 10-year-old a lot because 10-year-olds do not have Earth logic. Willow points out that at least tomorrow is Monday, another school day. That's right. Buffy tells her to just concentrate on school like the strong Willow she is. Actually, Willow is thinking more along the lines of Oz will be there and she can beg forgiveness. That works too. She wants to be strong Willow, but then she thinks about how she might never get to be close to Oz again. And it's like all the air goes out of the room. Buffy says she knows the feeling, right? Because she went through it with Angel. So tell them, wise one, how does she deal? She says she has them. A moment that leads us to Cordelia's room, where she's cutting apart her photos of the gang before burning them, all while Xander's messages play in the background. Fun fact, this is the one and only time we'll see Cordelia's room. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she's not going to be, she's not going to be around much longer. Because I was going to say, at least in Buffy, when we get to Angel, we'll see a lot of her living quarters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we see her, we see her little apartment and everything. Yeah, but this is the the only time we will see her room in Sunnydale. And once again, I love charisma, but again, she is looking like a 20-something college girl right now. Oh, yeah. And the next scene is not going to, the next oh. time we see her is not going to make it better. Oh, yeah. Her, her whole look here. She's clearly miserable, heartbroken. And as the flames melt Xander's face, we go to the credits. Still awesome. We return from the credits to Sunnydale High, where Willow is currently staking out Oz's locker. Buffy comes up behind her asking how it's going. And she says, Oz hasn't been to his locker. Oh, there might be books in there that he needs, but still he doesn't come. Buffy then asks if Sanders seen Cordelia. Not yet, but she's coming in today. Amy saw her at the mall last night. How is she? Willow doesn't know. According to Amy, she looked scary. (laughs) Cue Queen C herself stepping out of her car and looking absolutely killer. Oh, she looks fan-frickin-tastic in this whole look. She does. She's got on, like, the dark maroon pleathery outfit. She's got the smoky eye, the dark lipstick. It's iconic. That dark red lip is gorgeous on her. Gorgeous. I mean, she completely looks her age in this scene. Oh, yeah. But she looks gorgeous. Yes. This is this is Cordy at her most killer look. Like this is her. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're going to get into it as as the scene plays on. But this is her trying to get back who she was. Oh, yeah. She struts into the courtyard, but her confidence wavers just the tiniest bit until she sees Harmony and the others. Harmony, looking very preppy and pastels, greets her with two tiny kisses and tells her she looks amazing before saying she must meet Anya. She just moved here and her dad bought a utility of some sort. (laughs) Stepping forward, Anya compliments Cordy's bag. Prada? Good call. Most people in Sunnydale can't tell Prada from Payless. Interesting note. Though they will both appear in a few more season three episodes, uh, Doppelgangland the prom and graduation day part one. And despite both being love interests of Xander Harris, mm-hmm. this is the only episode where Cordelia and Anya interact. Yep. Yep. Harmony says she just, when she heard about, she couldn't believe it, but it was smart. The whole injury thing, take some time off, <sighs> let everyone forget about the temporary insanity. That was Xander Harris. Xander who? They all laugh at that before another of the Cordettes, or are they Harmonians at this point? Yeah, probably Harmonians, but... Says Cordy knows what she has to do, right? Get back on the horse. Oh, definitely. Cordelia is ready to ride. Great, because Harmony knows just the stud. He's (sighs) perfect for her. Moving towards the steps, Harmony motions to Jonathan. Oh, I love poor Jonathan. I was going to say, poor, poor Jonathan, who is just sitting there trying to drink his, like, huge glug, which I love that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying to live his best little nerdy life and mind his own little nerdy business. Exactly. Fuck off, Harmony. Immediately, Cordelia's face falls, but Harmony just keeps rubbing salt into the wound, saying she's pretty sure he won't cheat on her. 
at least not for a while. And he's got a killer moped. As they all walk away laughing, Jonathan looks at Cordelia like he feels sorry for her, which honestly for her is probably the worst part. So Anya. Yay! Yay! Anya! Uh, As you all know, Anya will pretty much from this point on become a major part of the show. And she is played by the ever fabulous Emma Caulfield. Uh, Before Buffy, she was on both 902 and O in General Hospital. And after Buffy, well, I mean, her career just blew up. Uh, Though her two most notable roles are probably that of the Blind Witch on Once Upon a Time and of Sarah Proctor slash Dottie on WandaVision. Yay! I was so excited to see her on WandaVision. Right. I think I I just I my whole my whole belief system for WandaVision was that it was it was Anya and she was there to help Wanda. Oh, yeah. I was like, no, oh, yeah. no, nothing will take this canon from me. Yeah, no, that was that was really we, we talked about that a lot when when WandaVision was on. And I just I love her whole look as Dottie in the Oh, she looks fabulous. Yes, yes. And Anya like getting to the Anya episodes. Anya has one of the best character roller coasters. Oh, she does. She does. Yeah, because usually in previous seasons, you would get a character like Anya and you'd never see them again. But we get to see Anya grow as a human being and sometimes fall back down and you know that's why it's a roller coaster it's not an arc it's a roller coaster yes yes it is back in the hall oz finally goes to his locker and willow makes her move look at that the two of them running into each other as people who go to the same school are very likely to do Mm. oz simply gives her a hey before turning to leave grabbing his wrist willow tells him to wait what she did when she thinks that she hurt him Oz tells her she already said all this. Yeah, but she really means it. And she wants to make it up to him. If he'll let her, she wants to try. Oz says what he needs is space to be left alone. There's some things he needs to figure out. Yeah, but maybe if they just talked, they could. He's sorry she feels bad, but he told her what he needs. So this is kind of making him think she wants to talk things out so that she can feel better. I mean, he's he's not wrong. I love love this moment that's not his problem okay but like (sighs) this brings up an interesting an interesting question like philosophically not like about (laughs) the show because like aren't 85 percent of apologies selfishly motivated yeah also but you also have to take in the character of oz well, no, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that Oz isn't right to call her out on this. I'm just saying that, like, while people do feel bad about the things they do, I'm not saying they don't. The main reason for an apology yeah, is, to, is make, to make it so that the other party isn't mad at you anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's to make yourself feel better. Yeah, it, it, apologies yeah. are selfishly motivated. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Like, there's, you apologize because you feel bad. Yeah. <sighs> But yeah, I do like how Oz laid down the boundaries. Yes, I do too. And And, good for Oz. And because, and also it's a great, it's a great twisting of a trope, which we, we, you know, we talk about the show doing it all the time. Because so often you see the male partner coming to the female partner before the female partner is ready to try to get things back to normal and here is the male half laying down that boundary that he will be there when he is ready not when she is ready but when he is ready to take that next step yeah we're back with cordelia who is headed down a different hallway when she spies xander panicking she grabs the first hottie she sees and asks if she has something stuck in her teeth (laughs) so that it will seem to xander like they're getting quite friendly kissing even He heads off and Cordelia drops the act, but maintains friendly conversation. So what's he been up to? It's been forever. He says the guys have been pretty down on him lately. Coach just sent him back to second string. So if anyone saw him talking to Xander Harris's cast off, (sighs) but hey, if she wants to go somewhere private, let him know. I want to feel bad for Cordy. I do. Yeah. And I I definitely feel bad for her in the moments with Harmony. Yeah. Because Harmony, as we know, is a sheep. A stupid little sheep. Yes. 
But but this, the guy saying they'll like make out with her in secret, it sucks, but it's what she did to it's Xander. It's what she did to Xander. Yep. Yeah. It's, and so I'm like, no, nah, I don't really feel bad that she's getting a bit of her own medicine. Yeah. She, cause that's what she did to Xander when they first started dating. Yeah. So like maybe, maybe this part isn't the worst lesson. Yeah. It still sucks. Yeah. It still sucks. And like, I still love Cordy overall. And oh, like, yeah. The whole situation is horrible for everyone from all angles. But like, eh, yeah, this is kind of what you used to do to people. Yeah, exactly. You didn't want to be seen with them. As she stumbles away from the encounter, she runs into Anya. Cordy says, go ahead, dazzle her with her best insult. What? No, Anya was actually looking for her. She was so excited after meeting Cordy to discover that someone else in this town read W. But Harmony... Anya rolls her eyes. Harmony's been following her around. She swears if the girl had an original thought, her head would explode. Spotting Anya's necklace, Cordy asks if it's Gucci. No, it's actually an old thing from her father. Kind of a good luck charm? Cordelia says if only she had one of those pre-Xander. They start walking and Anya just says, men. (laughs) Which, 40 seconds. I mean, same. (laughs) Anya thinks that, along with lacking class, Xander is seriously blind and therefore deserves whatever he gets. Cordy isn't even thinking about that. She's past it, living her life. Still, doesn't she kind of wish? She doesn't (laughs) wish. She acts. Starting now, Xander Harris is going to get a belly full of just how over him she is. Poor Anya. She really has to work for this one. Oh, I know. This one is, this one's taken forever. (laughs) Poor Anya. She's like, I have to pose as a high school student. I have to hang out with Harmony. Anya's having the worst time. She is. And it's not going to get better for her. I was going to say, which continues as we go to the bronze. (laughs) Because Cordelia and Anya are at a table surrounded by lame ass guys. You can just tell from the look on Anya's face that she does not give a single flying fuck about what any of these guys are going on about. Nope. And again, same. Yeah. Buffy, Xander, and Willow are all on a nearby couch. As Cordelia laughs and flirts with one of the guys, Xander also laughs, trying to make it seem like he's having just a fabulous time without her. (laughs) This laugh. The girls are in on said plan, however, and so just look at Xander like he has three heads. (laughs) He needs to be giving and receiving of the mirth people. Buffy tells Xander she's there for him. She's a porto gal. She just, she feels weird about the whole us versus Cordelia thing. Cordy's had a hard time. Yeah. Willow says she belongs to the justified camp and so should make them pay. And pay, pay, pay. There's just not enough payment. (laughs) Look, if Willow wants to take part in Gelsapalooza, that's great. But Xander's not doing that. He's done. From now on, he's grabbing life and living it to its fullest. Who's with him? Buffy thinks he actually kind of makes sense. (sighs) They're young and in America. How dare they be spun by love or the lack thereof? (laughs) Absolutely. It's self-indulgent. Willow's in. She's on the joy train. Somehow, them embracing life looks exactly like what they were just doing moments earlier. Buffy realized this and says, well, that didn't work. Mm. Who wants chocolate? Everyone, duh. Always, always chocolate. She gets up to procure some and Xander goes back to watching Cordy. He says, look at her. Tears of a clown. Or is it grins of a sad person? (laughs) He instinctively reaches out to touch Willow's hand and she alerts him that he did so, causing him to pull back with an oops. But wait, why oops? They used to touch digits all the time. It's a friend thing. Willow says maybe it used to be, but now after everything, it's different. Willow says she's sorry, but if she wants to make things right with Oz, then her hands, her everything, has to be only for him. Before we go to Buffy and Cordy, let's do Tears of a Clown. (laughs) The phrase Tears of a Clown comes from the title of a Smokey Robinson song written by Smokey, Steve Wonder, and Hank Crosby. It was first recorded in 1967 and is probably one of the best known Smokey Robinson songs. It's an international bestseller, like multi-million bestseller. And in 2002, the song was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. The lyrics of the song describe a man whose woman has just left him. And so he compares himself to the characters in the opera Pagliacci, who hide their anger behind empty smiles. At the bar slash bakery counter thing. (laughs) Fucking place. I I never never know how to describe it. I, I need somebody to 
draw me a floor plan. Of the bronze? Of the bronze. Buffy waits in line. Standing there, she spies Anya and Cordelia saying goodbye as Cordelia heads outside. Her hand instinctively going to her side as someone bumps into her. Abandoning her quest for chocolate, Buffy grabs her coat off the giant pile and follows. And remember those days, like the days of let's just all throw our coats in the corner of this bar. I was like, I completely forgot about that being a thing. Because it just looks like she's picking a random coat out of the pile. But yeah, we used to we used to do that at the we have we had a club in DC. I think it I mean still exists. We just haven't gone in forever. Because we're old. Yeah. Yeah. Called the Black Cat. And like so the main stage was upstairs. And in the back of that area there was a bunch of couches. So you just all toss your coats in a corner by one of the couches and come back later to retrieve them. And hope that nobody else stole it yeah so i'm like oh yeah remember when we would just willy-nilly like throw shit places i did i did have a friend who her coat mysteriously walked off by itself one night because somebody else took it yeah i feel like that happened to one of us i can't remember if it was me jillian or ashley but like one of us one of us lost our coat one night anyway outside buffy catches up with cordelia did xander send her to beg for him no nope she's a free agent promise She just wanted to see how she was doing. Never been better. Buffy says she knows what it's like to have been hurt by someone. Hurt so bad that you don't think you're going to make it. But you know what? She told her friends how she felt and it got a little better. For the teeniest, tiniest of seconds, it looks like Cordelia might be contemplating opening up. But then a vampire drops down and she steps back as Buffy whirls into action. She and the vamp fight and somewhere in this fight, Cordelia accidentally gets thrown into a nearby garbage pile. Buffy eventually dusts the vamp and Cordelia picks herself up, some crumbled paper still stuck in her hair, just as Harmony's little minions exit the bronze. One of which is played by Nicole Bilderback. So I thought it was her in an earlier scene, so I went and checked once we got to this one. Uh, Nicole will later be in both Can't Hardly Wait with Seth Green and Bring It On, which starred Eliza and Claire Kramer. Yep. Also, you may notice that this scene has a bit of a similar vibe to when she was bad. Only this time it's Buffy offering advice to Cordelia and being a, a bit nicer about it. Yeah. Cordelia says, you know what she's been asking herself a lot lately? Why her? Why does she get impaled? Why does she get bitten by snakes? Why does she fall for incredible losers? And you know, she thinks she finally figured it out. What her problem is... It's Buffy Summers. We get another fabulous transition as we go from the alley to Sunnydale High, Cordelia telling Anya all about her revelation. (laughs) As a hand once again goes to her side, she tells Anya that all her problems began with Buffy. Is she okay? Yeah, she just pulls some stitches. And surprise, surprise, it was all because (laughs) of Buffy. Harmony passes by then, calling Cordy garbage girl (sighs) and saying she loved the look last night. Dumpster cheek for the dumps. Oh, fuck off, Harmony. Taking off her necklace, Anya puts it on Cordy, saying she seems like she could use it more than her. Cordy will happily take some luck. And a stick with pointy bits. She swears. Anya says it's okay, but that Xander, he's an utter loser. Doesn't she wish? She never would have liked twice at Xander if Buffy hadn't made him marginally cooler by hanging (laughs) out with him. Really? Yeah, she swears. She wishes Buffy Summers had never come to Sunnydale. While Cordelia has been talking, Anya has momentarily turned away. And when she turns back, she's all demony, mm. telling Cordelia, done. Somehow I forgot it takes us like 15 minutes I know, to get I know. to this part. I, I didn't think about it this time, but when I watched it in my rewatch previously, it took forever. Like it, it has a lot of buildup. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to still spend the majority of the episode in Bizarro World, but I I deserved more Vampire Xander. Yeah, we didn't get enough of that. Anyway, following Anya's proclamation, the screen goes white, and back in the day, we went to commercials. (laughs) Thanks for the reminder. And when we come back, the white fades. We're still at Sunnydale High, but it's very different. Anya's gone. Cordy is all alone. The courtyard is trashed. And when you do see people, they're scurrying to get inside. As Cordy's hand moves to her side, she realizes her injury is gone. She did it. She wished that Buffy Summers had never come to Sunnydale, which means Anya must have been a good fairy. <laughs> a scary, veiny good fairy. 
With an ecstatic grin, she heads inside. As she heads down the hall in her bright blue dress, it becomes apparent that she's the only one in bright colors. Like, at all. Everyone else is dressed in dark or neutral colors, and everyone seems to be wearing crosses. Something Cordy has yet to catch on to. As she approaches Harmony and the others, they're super excited to see her, filling her in on the latest gossip before the guy from earlier approaches. He knows that, like, every guy on campus has probably asked her. But if she's not going to the winter brunch with anyone, he'd like to take her. He knows they'd have fun. Cordy says she'll let him know. As he heads off, Harmony tells her she reigns. She does? She does. She does. So, uh, what's with the whole winter brunch thing? <laughs> In a very sparsely populated classroom. Like, there are maybe eight students, including Cordy and her friends. The bell rings and they pack up to leave. As the teacher rushes off, he reminds the students that the next day is the monthly memorial and therefore there is no class. Cordy doesn't get it. Where is everyone rushing off to? You know, Harmony says her mother hates it when she's late. Since when? Aren't they going out tonight? Curfew starts in an hour. Curfew? Come on, she's in a really good mood. Let's go to the bronze. (laughs) The girls all turn to look at her. Is that a joke? Oh, the bronze isn't cool in this reality. Got it. She's still making all the little adjustments. (laughs) The girls, except for Harmony, leave and Harmony approaches Cordelia. What's up with her? First, she wears some come bite me outfit. Then she makes jokes about the bronze. She's acting a little schizo. She's right. She she bumped her head yesterday and she keeps forgetting stuff. So not that she cares, but Xander Harris, he's miserable, right? And that Willow freak he hangs out with? Not even a blip on the radar? Well, yeah. Harmony looks at her. They're dead. <laughs> she heads off, leaving Cordelia to process that information. Bum, bum, bum. Heading to her car, Cordelia finds it gone. In fact, the school parking lot is completely empty. Stopping one of the maintenance workers, Cordelia, in a very racially insensitive way. Oh, yes. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Asks where he put her car. He reminds her that students aren't allowed to drive and that she should hurry up and get home before the sun sets. He really should have been like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm walking away. I don't give a fuck about this girl. Right? Like, she can get that. We're done. This girl, this girl, talk to me this way. I don't fucking care. And so she walks along the mean streets of Sunnydale. Oh, that definitely mean streets now. Oh, these are like, we're not even being sarcastic anymore. Yes, these are the actual mean streets. Passing by the closed movie theater and several shops that are locking up for the night, the streets are completely deserted. No one else around. Until she runs into Xander, who is looking good in the white tee black leather jacket combo. He's got that. He's got that very greaser. Uh huh. Danny yeah. Zuko look going for him. He can't believe it. Cordelia Chase. What is this? Some sort of sick joke? Harmony said he was dead. <laughs> she did? Huh. Wonder why she'd say that. Cordelia says they need to find Buffy. She'll fix this. Save them. She was supposed to be there. And as much as it kills her to admit it, things were better with Buffy. Buffy, the Slayer? No, Buffy the dog-faced girl. Duh, who does he think she's talking about? Before Xander can answer, we hear a little, Bored Bored now. now. From off to the side, Willow enters looking very unlike the Willow we know. So Wearing a full corseted leather outfit. She says, this is the part that's less fun when there's no screaming. As she goes to Xander, leaning against him, Cordelia asks, what's with them in the leather? They don't bother to answer. Willow just wants to know if it's time to play. Xander says while he appreciates her appetite, they agreed it was his turn. No, 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 no. (laughs) She pushed them into Bizarro Land and they're still together? I love Cordy's reaction to this. Like... You know, she's starting to realize that some shit is going down, but (laughs) poor Cordy. What the fuck? She just cannot win. It's true. She can't. Because right then and there, Xander goes full vamp face. He says he'll give her a head start. Cordy takes off running and Willow says she loves this part. (laughs) She and Xander make out for a second. He says she loves all the parts before stalking after Cordy. Willow follows. Running doesn't do Cordy much good as Xander easily catches up. 
throwing her to the ground. She's instantly knocked unconscious, and Willow expresses her disappointment. She hardly fought. Before they can grab Cordy, a van pulls up belonging to a group. Giles, Oz, Larry, and a new girl that Xander calls the White Hats. Giles and Oz hold the vamps at bay, while Larry and the girl load Cordy into the van. So we have two references in this scene, uh, Dogface Girl and Bizarro Land. We've covered both before. And the funny thing is both were actually said by Cordelia. Yes. Before. And then they're said again here. So I'll just going to do real, real quick in case for whatever reason you didn't listen to the episode that has these originally on them. <laughs> uh, so Bizarro World, it's an idea that originated in the comics. And it's basically an alternate reality where everything is the opposite of what it is in real life. So it's not quite what we're seeing play out in this episode, but it's very close. And Dogface Girl comes from the days of the freak shows. Um, I could not find anything on any female performers of this nature. No, no. But there is, of course, a ton of information on Fedor Jeftichu, who was Jojo the Dogfaced Boy. And uh, if you listen to our Halloween episode, I have a whole thing in there. Yeah, yeah. Him. I forgot that we actually did go over all of this already. Yeah, I know... Uh, Jojo the Dogface Boy is in Halloween. I don't remember what episode Bizarro World is, but I know Cordy says it to Xander when he's like, oh, I think it's uh, the frat party one. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, I could be cool. And she's like, yeah, Bizarro, Bizarro World. World. Yeah, yeah. So I do like that they have Cordy repeat like the same phrases because people that's do what that. You, I was going to say, that's what you do. Like we we have phrases that we repeat all the time. When we next see Cordy, she's laid out in the library. Oz asks how she's doing, and Giles says her pulse is strong. The new girl, who the wiki and IMDb tell me is named Nancy. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is a very random addition. Wants I love to know that we- they had Larry. I love that Larry I, is part of this group. I do love that there was Larry. I we, I always love when we get to see Larry. I know. We, we, we don't get enough Larry. Nancy wants to know what she was doing wearing that dress. Everyone knows vampires are attracted to bright colors. Larry says, that's Cordelia for you. Better to look good than keep on living. <laughs> Giles asks Nancy to go check on the perimeter and she heads off. Giles has an odd look on his face. Like he knows something isn't right. But no time for that. We're headed back to the bronze, which is no longer a small child nightclub <laughs> and is instead a vampire nightclub. You know what? It seems to fit better as the vampire nightclub. Yes, it does. It is vamp central. All around, vampires mill about, feeding, teasing, and tormenting the humans they have locked in cages. Xander and Willow wind their way through the crowd before entering a back room. In this back room is the master! Somehow the master has returned. I I am so excited we're getting to see his overly dramatic ass again. I... You know what? He couldn't hold he couldn't hang around much longer than he did because he's just too much. Oh, yeah. But... Having him back in this episode with his overly dramatic ass, it's delightful. Oh, he is so delightful. As they enter, he stands, greeting them by name before offering them a girl. Seems he lost his appetite for her. She keeps looking at him. He's (laughs) trying to eat, and she keeps looking at him. I like this actress. She has a very, very subtle performance in this scene where he's holding her hair and she is looking back and forth yeah. between them. Like, it, it's a very, like, bravo for this day player. Willow glances at Xander, looks at him for just a moment before morphing into vamp face and biting down on the girl's neck. The master says he remembers that lust of the kill. Taking a seat, he asks Xander for the news on the Rialto. A reference to Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice, as we know the master loves quoting Shakespeare. His dramatic ass. Xander says he had a primed kill lined up. Old crush. Till that wanna slay librarian showed up. The master assures Xander he'll be dealt with soon enough. Xander says the funny thing is, she kept talking about the slayer. About Buffy. Saying they had to get... Buffy there. (laughs) Willow makes fun of Buffy's name with a, ooh, scary. And Xander says that someone needs to talk to her people because that name, striking fear in the hearts of no one. (laughs) She spoke of a slayer. Now, at this time, and they didn't kill her? Willow says they had crosses. The master steps forward doing that creepy paternal thing he does as he tells them they will find her and they will kill her. Or he will see them kissing daylight. (laughs) Back in the library, Cordy is starting to come too. 
Giles rushes down from the library's upper levels, telling her to take it easy, but Cordy won't hear of it. He needs to get Buffy. Buffy changes everything. With Buffy, everything's better. The clothes alone. And people are happy, mostly. She then stops, frowning. Wait, but if Buffy's not here, then why is he? He was her watcher. Giles wants to know how she knew he was a watcher. He never... He stops, looking around. Cordelia asks what. He begins to walk over to the book cage, grab some weapons. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there's a feeling in the air he doesn't trust. As he's grabbing a stake and a giant wooden cross, Willow slams the door shut on him, declaring that he's in a giant cage. <laughs> Xander, who's grabbed Cordy, says, he's not too bright for a bookman. So he's a watcher, huh? Watch this. Xander bites Cordelia before Willow does the same. The two of them draining her as Xander caresses Willow's head. And this is a very sexy death this scene. This is a very sexy scene. Yeah. For- like, I would probably be really into it if not for sad Giles in the cage. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, th- this is part of also where I was like, there was a lot of uh, awakenings. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, this is a pretty, this is a pretty sexy scene. This is, this is where if this episode if this show had been done on HBO. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there would be a lot going on in this scene. And Giles would still be in that cage and oh. be forced to watch what's going on in the scene. Poor sad Giles. Yeah. He's watching as he once again fails. But also, I remember when this episode first aired. Uh-huh. And they killed Cordelia. Yeah. I was shocked. Like, yeah, like, I do remember that being, like, a big thing because it was Cordelia's wish. Mm-hmm. And, like, you thought the episode was, and then she just dies. Yeah. Like, you, because th- you, it's, it's a moment of, holy shit, the only person who knew that things weren't right, like, granted, she did tell Giles, but she's dead. What does this mean? Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of sad that, like, Buffy aired in the 90s when they didn't do this as much. Like, they just did a whole thing. And I understand I'm, I'm about to use Riverdale as an example. And I'm completely <laughs> ashamed of myself. But they just did this whole thing with Riverdale where they put them in the alternate universe for like four episodes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, had Buffy aired now, mm-hmm. I think they would have done the same thing. Especially with Cordelia dying. Yep. They would have allowed it to take a little bit longer for people to figure out what was going on. I would have loved to have seen a multiple episode arc set in the wish world. Yeah, that would because because so much and so much of this episode is rushing toward the end of it where. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't get to like properly explore. Yeah. Like it would have been cool if like this episode, you know, the next episode is when Buffy shows up. Yeah. Like have the scene where she shows up end this episode. Yeah. yeah have that because that would be a, that would be a great cliffhanger moment yeah i mean they could have even made it just a two-parter yeah but i would have liked to have seen this world a little bit more yeah and i would also have liked to have seen a little bit more of buffy's interactions with giles i would have liked to have known yeah more of her story more of her story because she is very she's very different and i don't feel that living in cleveland makes you that way i don't know i know people who live in ohio and they could probably attest to ohio sucking out your soul yeah maybe it's just because uh we've been watching um we all re-watching we've watched it several times we've been re-watching 30 rock Okay, yeah. So there's the whole thing where, like, the guy Liz is dating at the end of one season moves to Cleveland. And so, like, but they're also comparing it to New York. Yeah. So, like, Cleveland is basically, like, Disney Main Street. (laughs) And it's, like, everyone is there is so nice. And it's, like, the Midwest kind of thing. And and so I'm, like, how does living in Cleveland make you this? It's Ohio. (laughs) There's, There's very few states where I can say, like... They, they just give me a feeling of like, meh. That's fair. Yet every show, well, not every, obviously, because this is in California, but so many like major fictional towns are set in Ohio. Yeah. Riverdale, uh, originally in the comics, is in Ohio. Coolsville is in Ohio. Um... Heather's and Glee. Both yeah, I was just about to say Ohio. Glee. Yeah, Glee is in Ohio. Like every, like, and I mean, maybe it is because like 
Ohio is very generic. And yeah. so you can make it whatever you want. I'm sorry yeah. to all, I'm sorry to any listeners we have in Ohio. I, I, <laughs> I'm sure your state is a very wonderful place. I'm just so We're, very intrigued by the fact that like, when you need to set a fictional town and you don't want it to be clearly like a beach town yeah. or a coastal New England town, they're like, yeah, let's shove it in Ohio. I We need to check our map and see how many Ohio listeners we're alienating (laughs) no we love you we love you don't abandon us if you are from ohio please tell us how right or wrong we are as cordy dies they drop her body willow tossing the key to the cage beside it then they saunter off as giles is forced to stand by helpless eventually though he does manage to break out using an axe as he goes to cordy's body larry and oz join him apparently the vamps jump them outside nancy they shake their head dead. Giles asked them to take Cordy's body to the incinerator. I love that in this world, the school just has an incinerator. They do, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it makes sense, because you don't want to risk people coming back as vampires. Exactly. And and just, like, them, I, imagining them building the incinerator in that creepy-ass basement that they already have. Oh, yeah. They lift her, and as they do, he notices the necklace. Telling them to wait a sec, he removes it. Obviously, he recognizes it from somewhere. Back at the bronze, the master is enjoying a nice blood-laced cappuccino. I, I know I texted this to yes. like everyone we've yes. ever met when I was yeah. watching this episode. But if I was a vampire, I too would be a vampire with a cappuccino machine. Absolutely. You can't just drink straight up blood all the time. You have no. to zhuzh it up a little bit. And how much do we all love the image of the master with the tiny little espresso cup? I love, I love how, like his, with the whole makeup and the whole claws and his tiny little espresso cup. It's perfect. Because he's he's a dramatic ass. He is! We've already discussed this. He sips at his drink as Xander and Willow return, telling him that the deed is done. They killed the girl who sought the Slayer. It was too easy. Willow felt cheap. The master tells them that the opening will commence as planned. So he's pleased. Ecstatic. Then can she play with the puppy? (laughs) The master tells her to be his guest and hands her a dungeon-esque key ring. I have questions. (laughs) But we're going to save them because they'll tie into my questions about this wish world overall and how there were several elements that I think were either missing or slightly off. So we'll we'll get into my questions later. All right. (laughs) But I mean, there's there's always questions. In the library, Giles sits on the phone, books laying open all around him. We quickly learn that he is on the phone with whoever is Buffy's watcher in this world, saying that she's needed in Sunnydale. This is where we first learn that Cleveland is actually also centered over a hellmouth and full of demonic activity. So either Buffy's watcher is extremely hands-off or has lost control of her because it's clear they have no idea where she is or when she'll be around next. Giles just tells them to deliver the message before hanging up. Daylight comes and the bronze quiets. Willow declares she's bored. As daytime is the worst. Cooped up for hours. Can't hunt. She can play though. Grabbing a pair of rusty scissors off the wall, she unlocks the door to the cell that Angel is being held in. Chained up. She notices that Puppy is being awfully quiet. But that's okay. Willow's gonna make him bark. (laughs) Entering the cell, she straddles him, reminding him that it's a big day. And all those people he tried to save... They're going to die. It'll be quick for them, though. Unlike him, she tears his shirt open, and we see that his chest is marked with cuts and bruises. Uh Uh-oh. Looks like she went a little too hard on him last time. Little hard. Striking a match, Xander tosses it onto Angel's chest. No such thing. Willow pouts a bit, telling him to watch it, that he almost got her hair. As he tosses the box of matches, he apologizes. Does he want to play, too? Nah. He just likes watching her go. (laughs) Willow lights another match and Angel screams as we go back to the library. Again, if this was HBO. Uh Uh-huh. Giles has located the necklace in one of his books. Bringing it to Larry and Oz, he tells them that it's the symbol of Anyanka, a patron saint of sorts. He has a fondness for... uh, Patron saint of sorts. Has a fondness for scorned women. They ask what she does and Giles says she grants wishes. (laughs) So then Cordelia wished for something? Oz says if it was a long and happy life, she should get her money back. (laughs) 
Giles tells them what Cordelia told him, how the world isn't supposed to be this way, how it's supposed to be better, happier. Hold on. So the world sucks because some dead dits made a wish? Larry just wants to be clear. I love Larry. Giles continues, Cordy told him that the Slayer was supposed to be there, to have already been there. Oz says it certainly would have helped. Giles says he wants to research the Sun Yonka thing further, that he has some books at home. He suggests that Oz and Larry get some sleep. Oz tells him to watch his back. So patron saint, that that's an interesting description. Yeah, yeah. Like, the books don't identify Anya as a demon, but as a patron saint. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do a deep dive on patron saints and, like, how they evolved. But, of course, like, it's all Catholic sources, and they were just they were just not bringing it this week. However, I don't think it's hard to see how it could have evolved from the idea of having specific gods that you asked favors of and made offerings to. So a demon slipping in there sometime between ancient times and modern day, it's not that hard. And we'll of course we'll learn a lot more about Anya's journey and how she becomes a vengeance demon later on. Giles heads home, safe-ish in his car, when he sees a group of humans being rounded up and shoved into the back of a recycling truck. He stops the car, jumps out, and goes to help the humans, holding two of the vampires off while they escape. Unfortunately, a third vampire comes up behind him and uses the door of the van to hit him in the back of the head. He goes down, and the vamps are about to load him in the van (laughs) when someone comes to his rescue. The vamps all get staked and we see it's Buffy looking very different than how we have come to know her. She's dressed a bit like Kendra was the last time we saw her, has dark makeup and a wicked scar on her lip. That is a that is a hell of a scar. When Giles identifies her as being Buffy, she says, yeah. Now, does someone want to tell her why she's there? At Giles's place, Buffy mills about while Giles slips through a book. Aha, he's found it. <laughs> To destroy Anyanka, one must destroy her power source. Do that, and all the wishes she's granted will be reversed. She'll become a mortal woman once more. Great, so what's her power source? Giles checks the book again before saying, it doesn't say. Okay, so then why doesn't she just put a stake through her heart? She's not a vampire. Picking up and sniffing Giles' brandy decanter, Buffy says he'd be surprised how many things that can kill. Giles doesn't want to kill her. He wants her to undo whatever she did to set the world right again. Kill the bad fairy, destroy the bad fairy's power source, make all the problems go away. Buffy tells Jeeves that he's taking a lot on faith there. The world is what it is. They fight and then they die. Wishing doesn't change that. No, Buffy. Giles says he has to believe in a better world. That's nice. Buffy has to live in this one. She moves to the small table in Giles' living room, spit-shining her boots as Giles says Cordelia acted like she knew Buffy. She said she was meant to be there, that he meant her, that he meant to be her watcher. Buffy says she was probably just a big fan. Giles disagrees. The master sent two of his most vicious disciples after her. She must have been on to something. The master? Giles explains he's a supreme vampire, that he lives on the outskirts of town in a club. So they know where this master guy is, and no one's ever tried to take him out? Oh, people have tried. Buffy tells Giles to point the way. She might as well do some good while she's in this town. Besides, it's not like she'll be much help to him. There's only one thing she's good at. I love how Wish Buffy carries a crossbow strapped to her back. Oh, yeah, yeah. He tells her to at least let them muster a force. She says she doesn't play well with others. So she's going to ask him once, and then she's going to get testy. Where's the club? Amazing transition is amazing as we next see Buffy pulling the curtains in the bronze looking for vamps. But before we go into what or who she finds at the bronze, Jeeves. Jeeves. I think pretty much everyone has come to recognize the name Jeeves as being the prototypical English butler name. So much so that for the longest time, there was a search engine called Ask, <laughs> Ask Jeeves, Jeeves that would find you whatever you wanted. I loved, I, I miss, I miss Ask Jeeves because oh, it just, it felt, it felt personal. It felt like you were actually talking to a person. Exactly. However, the name first became popular thanks to the P.G. Woodhouse novels. Yay! In them, the character of Reginald Jeeves often engages in madcap adventures with his employer, the young, wealthy Bertie Wooster. If that name also sounds familiar, it's because Jeeves and Wooster was later turned into a television series starring Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. I love Jeeves and Wooster. Now back to the bronze. 
No, I want to go back to Chiefs and Wooster. No, we can't. We can't. We gotta go to the bronze. Okay, let's go to the old vampire nightclub. Yes, we're gonna go to the old vampire nightclub. The place is deserted, though. Aside from a few corpses and Angel still chained in his cell, Buffy approaches the bars, looking at him as the first few bars of the Buffy and Angel love theme play. Aww. Then she decides he's not her problem and turns to leave. But he calls out to her. He knows she's Buffy. How? How did he know her name? Because he he came there to wait for her, help her, but she never showed. Also, he's a creeper or was till the master locked him up. Yeah. He was going to help her, him. Angel explains that the master rose and that he kept him alive to punish him. He kept hoping she'd show his destiny. Is this a get in her pants thing? (laughs) I mean, I mean... She says the people of Sunnydale keep talking like she's the second coming. He's sorry. He just meant she doesn't have time for stories. Where's the master? Throughout his factory. It starts tonight. Factory? He can take her there. Busting in the door, Buffy goes to unchain him, but the cross hanging around her neck gets a little too close and he recoils. They have got to be kidding her. (laughs) He promises he won't hurt her and she says, no, he'll leave that for his master. Getting to his feet, Angel shows Buffy the wounds peppering his chest. If he won't believe that he wants to help her, then at least believe he wants the master dead. At the factory, the master addresses a crowd of gathered vampires with Xander and Willow by his side. I I love the look of the the vampires. Like, just the range of looks. I know. Everybody. gathered vampires. Like, it looks like we have all showed up to play Vampire the Masquerade. It does. Like, you, you have so, you have so much. It's, there's so much happening in this scene. I don't even think wardrobe provided. No, I'm pretty sure they just were like, hey, if you're a vampire LARPer, why not show up? Come in your best LARP gear. Because it legit looks like we all showed up to play Vampire the Masquerade. (sighs) I miss Vampire the Masquerade. With Xander and Willow by his side, he explains that technology has given them a gift. That humanity has given them a gift. A way to get out of the old routines. Mass production. And yes, there were some naysayers, but the master killed them. (laughs) From his place off to the side, Xander says they really are living in the golden age. We should probably mention that there's a holding pen on one side of the factory floor. And in the holding pen are several humans, including yeah. Larry, Oz, and some of the minions. Yeah, we should we should probably mention that. Meanwhile, Giles is attempting to summon Anyanka. He calls to her, invoking scorned woman, and she appears. But she is not happy. <laughs> does he have any idea what she does to men who summon her using that spell? The master calls for the first human to be brought up. Opening the pen, the vamps grab the little minion and pull her forth, using what looks like a cattle prod to immobilize her. Makes sense as humans in this world are pretty much treated like cattle. They lay her, still alive, on the machine where six giant needles impale themselves into her, (sighs) draining her dry. (sighs) The vamps are then able to take that blood and pour it directly into a wine glass. While all this is going on, Buffy and Angel sneak inside. So, what's the plan? Buffy hands Angel a steak. Don't fall on that. The wine glass is passed through the crowd to the master. Buffy and Angel sneak closer. Receiving the glass, the master holds it up, toasting to the future. A phrase all the vamps repeat. And that's when Buffy fires. But the master sees the crossbow coming and so places Xander in front of him. That's great. Wow. That's, wow. That's, that's rude. Way to reward your, uh, your disciples. I mean... It makes sense. Oh, no, it totally makes sense. It's totally a character for the master, but it's just rude. <laughs> yeah. It only hits Xander's shoulder, though, so he's fine. He's fine for now. The fans begin running about, and Buffy launches into fight mode, with Angel assisting, mostly getting the humans out. Seeing him, Willow remarks that the puppy got out. Once free, Oz breaks himself off a piece of wood and goes to help. Willow and Xander also launch into the fray, which takes us back to Giles and Anyanka. Cordelia Chase, what did she wish for? Anyanka says she has no idea Cordelia's wish would be so exciting. Brave new world. Another Shakespeare reference, this time from The Tempest. Mm -hmm. She hopes she likes it. In an additional part of the exchange that was cut, Giles tells Anya that Cordelia is dead. (laughs) To which she replies, it happens. The fight continues on at the factory and Giles tells Anya that she is going to change it back. He's not afraid of her. Her only power lies in wishing. That's not entirely true. 
as we see when she grabs him, shoving him up against a wall. Willow and Xander have reached Buffy, Xander going to ambush her while she's distracted by Willow. Angel tells her to look out and Xander, Xander dusts Angel, which two things. One, who kills who in this final bit is kind of important and Uh we'll talk about it after. Mm -hmm. And two, you'll notice that when Angel dusts here, we see the outline of the skeleton. From this episode on, that's going to become the norm for the dusting effect. Yeah, I completely forgot that we had that. Yeah. Like, I knew we got it on some vampires. Like, I think when they were older, like the master Mm -hmm. and all that. But this is, yeah, this is from this point on, it will be applied to all vampires. Yeah. Anya tells Giles, this is the real world now. This is the world they made. Isn't it wonderful? As we go back to the factory this time, everything starts moving in slow motion. A haunting vocal melody playing underneath. Buffy dusts Sander. Willow goes to get to Buffy, but finds herself being pulled back by Larry and then staked by Oz, who shoves her into a pointy part of the now broken holding pen. As she's dusted, you can see her mouthing a certain word. And fighting their way through the others, the master and Buffy approach one another. Back at his place, Giles notices Anya's necklace glowing and reaches out, grabbing it. He backhands her and rushes to his table, looking for something heavy enough to destroy it as the master and Buffy come face to face. Anya tells him he's a trusting fool. How does he know the other world is any better than that one? Because it has to be. That, that's right up there with my favorite lines. When Giles says that this, the other world has to be better. <sighs> so heartbreaking. Also, my going back and forth is in no way doing the framing of this scene justice. Yeah, this the way this whole scene, everything plays out is just beautiful. Yeah, the way it switches, when it switches, the music, it's just... Giles' dialogue over everything. Giles smashes Anya's necklace right as the master snaps Buffy's neck. And I forgot forgot that we hear her bones cracking i know i know oh and just her face as she's falling like it's a brutal choice it is yeah it it, it adds to the feel of this scene as her body falls white light spreads across the screen and we return to the Mm -hmm. real world and the moment cordelia made her wish she wishes buffy summers had never come to sunnydale anya says done but this time there's no demon face and nothing happens. Cordelia says that would be cool. But wait, she wishes Buffy Summers had never been born. <laughs> Done. And she wishes that Xandra Harris never again knows the touch of a woman. And that Willow wakes up tomorrow covered in monkey hair. Done! <laughs> no matter how many times Anya says it, nothing happens. <laughs> As Cordelia walks off, spewing more ridiculous wishes, we see Buffy, Willow, and Xander sitting together with Giles and laughing. Just a little something to let us know that everything is going to be okay. Especially since our playout music is once again that like ultra cheesy 90s synth drama. It feels like it was stock music for every teen show at the time. As, as if we didn't have the most depressing episode and dramatic episode ever. Right? I love it. I just, I love this episode. I know. It's so good. And like we said, it would have been really cool if we could have gotten a two-part arc on this. Yeah. So the end. Okay. So just a few things to wrap things up. I say that like this is not a page long. Uh, (laughs) One, who kills who? So Xander stakes Angel, Mm -hmm. which is symbolic of his jealousy, distrust, and resentment. Mm -hmm. Buffy stakes Xander, which is a sign of their recent issues. Mm -hmm. Oz stakes Willow, which has to be a bit cathartic, even if he doesn't know it. And the master kills Buffy because no matter the universe, she was fated to meet him. Yep. But also, let's talk about this universe. (laughs) Uh, because obviously there were people missing. Oh, yeah. Darla, Luke, Jesse, Spike, and Drew. Mm-hmm. Now, Spike and Drew, you could just argue, never came to Sunnydale. Yeah, because Spike came after with with the annoying one was doing his thing. Yeah. So without the, without the annoying one, with the master actually risen, Spike wouldn't feel the need to come right. to Sunnydale to cause chaos because there's already chaos. He has other places he can cause chaos. 
Exactly. But what about the first three? Because I firmly believe, and the hill I am prepared to die on, is that Jesse turned Xander and Xander turned Willow. Oh, I know. The three of them would be in a thruple. Yeah, I know. Well, Jesse could be with Darla. So, like, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know. I think Darla would get bored with Jesse, even as a vampire. Ah, this is true. And it just, it makes too much sense that he was the one that turned them. And also, if the master rose on the harvest and Angel was imprisoned following the harvest, then Darla and Luke never died. Yeah. So where are they? I think the answer to that lies with the fact that Angel is chained up in the basement Mm -hmm. and given to Willow to play with. Because no way would Darla ever allow that to happen. But Sunnydale can't be the only place where the master is setting up a base of operations, right? Right. Yeah. So I think following the harvest, when Angel was caught and imprisoned, Darla was sent away with Luke and Jesse to establish another base. That makes a lot of sense. Separating her from Angel and punishing her as her as her childer is being punished. Yes. Because that was her punishment for letting him stray so far from the course. And again, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, because there's no reason why Darla, Luke, and Jesse wouldn't be there. Wouldn't be there. So I think they're off establishing a base somewhere else. Yeah. Um, also the weird thing with Giles being there and Buffy being given another watcher. So like Did they have multiple watchers lined up for her? Like depending on where her mother would move it. That, that was very weird. Yeah. That, that always struck me as weird. Cause why wasn't, wouldn't Giles be in Cleveland? Cleveland. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe fucking Travers is fucking with him again. Oh, it could be Travers. We could just blame Travers for anything involving the watchers. Yeah. Anything, any weird inconsistencies with the watchers. It's just Travers. (sighs) Yeah. Travers is the fruit of all evil. But the weirdest thing, and the thing that doesn't make any sense at all, and I know they had to do it this way because it was her wish, is that Cordelia is even alive. Without Buffy, she would have died the night of the harvest. Yeah. Or been turned by Jesse. And even if she survived that, Marcy would have completely jokered her (laughs) come the May Queen celebration. Which, that would have been another interesting take on it. Because could you see if Cordelia wished herself into this brand new world only to find out she's the villain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, but again, because this is Cordelia's wish, it's not going to be framed that way. But that's the only thing I could think of. It was like, Marcy would have totally carved her up first season without Buffy. Yeah. But then again, like, there's so much. Marcy could have died. That's true. Before that even happened. That's true. Because we have to take, we have, you know, it's just without Buffy being there and. Well, but Marcy was invisible before Buffy ever got there. Yeah, but she still might have, or she may not have done her shit because, oh, fuck, there's vampires. That's true. She might be like, you know what? Not going to risk it. Just going to hang out in my ceiling. Or she may have been like, she may have left. That's true. That is true. Yeah, like she could have she could have just been like, you know what? Nobody can see me. I am going to peace out. I am going to find somewhere else that's not here. Me and my girl, Marcy, (laughs) me and my flute. Marcy's got good survival instincts. Uh, Yeah, I feel like Marcy would get the hell out of Dodge. So then I'm like watching this episode and I'm going down my like weird like, where is Jillian when I need world building questions? Because I'm like. But if we're treating like people like livestock in this world, does that mean we're going to eventually set up like human farms? Probably. Yeah. And, like communities where they can like live until we want to drain them. Well, yeah, that's like they have people to right away. Who are we going to eat? Yeah, they have to. They have to, you know, let them live like it's little little communities. Right. Like this, this episode gave us so many things to think about where every day they live and they work and they go home and they pray that to not tomorrow is not the day that they are slaughtered. Or do they even know that they're being raised as livestock? I don't I don't know. There's see, that's why I'm like, there's so I know many different things we could talk like. We could talk about this world forever. We could we could try and we could we could make it so convoluted. Like, that's just why I'm like, I just want to know more about this. But this happens anytime an alternate universe is introduced in anything. I'm like, but I want to spend a whole season in this universe and learn every little difference. I want to know how it works in this universe. 
Yeah. So yeah, there's so many things we could talk about about this. We could we could go on for like hours. We could do a wish first podcast on we this. We could do a wish first podcast. But yeah, okay. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season three, episode 10, Amends, aka a very buffy Christmas. It is a very buffy Christmas. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.